I don't get it. Hello. Hey, everybody. Welcome to I Don't Get It, a podcast about contemporary dance in Edmonton, Alberta. I'm Paul. I'm Fonda. And we are, are your hosts for this journey. <laughs> this wild and this wonderful journey, journey through the world of dance through contemporary dance and this week was uh pretty mm. special we saw some performance art at the visualized festival yes the visualized festival put on by uh the artist run center latitude 53 in edmonton um visualized being there yeah their annual uh one of canada's only annual performance arts festivals i believe yes i believe so um, and the theme this year was movement how perfect how appropriate how appropriate yes so um we saw a piece called well it was part of a visual art piece called the right side of magic right, which, which was is, an insta- an exhibit at dc3 art gallery yeah which was um, um sort of a retrospective on a, a visual artist named blair brennan who who lives in town has worked here for years it, it charts his work from uh, 1986 to 2014 i believe um and throughout his career especially in the 80s and early 90s he worked a lot with brian webb our, our beloved contemporary dance uh aficionado um around town yeah and so um for this piece which was the the performance art piece which was uh it was performed last week on the thursday friday and saturday what was it called Uh, it was called an unlearned human language it was part of blair's showcase but it was a a new piece done by him and brian and a musician named allison mciver as well yeah so the so the piece involved brian entering uh, through the exhibit, uh, which kind of, he walks past all these kind of strange iconoclastic semi-religious images, yeah. like an altar of candles with a big metal G on top mm-hmm. and uh, lots of uh, beds of nails, not beds of nails, but boards that filled with thousands of nails. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, and so he sort of starts by like, you're all in a small cramped room and, and Brian walks through you. He's not really dressed particularly theatrically. He opens this curtain and looks back and just goes. He just starts walking and it's sort of up to you to follow him or not. Of course you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was, I mean, that was one of the, the things we talked about was, uh, nope, let's skip this. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> well, it was interesting. He, um, he entered through the lobby. Mm-hmm. So everyone was kind of kept in this very small ante room to begin with. Yeah. Um, it was getting nice and sweaty in there. And then, of course, every you know you recognize him as Brian Webb. He walks through. He sort of takes a look at everyone, a knowing glance, mm-hmm. and walks into the space. And you just sort of feel drawn to follow him. So everyone follows him, this entire group. Right. I don't know, and maybe 40 people or so were there. Sure. Saw it. Yeah. And then, and then you see this sort of strange ritual begin to unfold where he he lights a candle and then uses that candle to light 24 candles that are set up sort of one by one uh he walks over to this board of nails and examines it after putting on sort of like a blacksmith's apron i guess mm-hmm. um and then um while this is happening uh one of the people in the crowd sort of detaches um and unlocks uh this cupboard uh, that's just filled with keys, like the back of like a hotel concierge sort of <laughs> golden age of hotels, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel thing set up. Um, and then uh, there's also a marimba set up in front of her. Um, and she's the musician, Alison McIver. And uh, and she sort of um, takes her position. And then Brian throws down this sort of board of nails. He drops it. It's a huge sort of thump. It draws your, your attention back in. 
he walks across it and then he he walks over to this workstation that's set up effectively. Yeah, there's sort of a sawhorse set up there with um, like a pegboard that has no nails in it. But he puts this huge bucket of nails. It, the bucket is painted gold, which I thought was interesting. Cool. And also like a stack of letters and just mm-hmm. kind of slams them down, takes this big hammer from sort of like almost an altar type space that was also behind the sawhorse. Right. Everything uh, seemed uh, really ritualistic. Yeah. Set up. Yeah, so that that the the hammer was held on this huge, um, yeah, pegboard again, but with just a, just the one spot with two nails to hold this hammer until until its use was was found. Yeah, and, and he starts, you know, just the um, Allison starts playing the marimba. Mm-hmm. There's sort sort of like a lovely music playing, and he starts hammering these nails into the pegboard. And as he goes along, um, there's sort of a like a stop and start with Allison. And every time he, every time there's a stop in the music, he slams down the hammer, picks up one of the letters, and reads them. And they're full of these phrases that are sort of like psalms or verses. They they seem semi-religious or spiritual in overtone, and, but and a lot of them are about labor. Yeah, yeah, which obviously was a huge sort of theme through throughout the piece. It seemed, at least to us, you know, this sort of the toil of work and sort of this huge task to be done. This was a huge sort of wooden pegboard um, that you knew he wasn't going to fill, but sort of even the scope of it and knowing and, you know, watching him work through it. And he did get, you know, considering that, he probably hammered for half an hour, Yeah, I'd say it was between 30, like maybe 30-ish minutes long. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, he gets through by, he's hammering almost the whole time. And considering he gets through maybe like, I don't know, a square foot of space on this three by not six even, foot board. Foot, yeah. um, you you got you kind of looked at the other two panels full of nails on the wall and got really a scope of the labor that went into those. And the piece ended in a very um, very interesting and poignant way. I think that the comments on the labor because you could tell that it was quite physically taxing for him to do this. Yeah. He was yeah. getting out of breath and he was just like the, the nailing got a little bit more shoddy yeah, at points, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, as he, as he more. went through it. Cause at first, you know, he started at first posture was good. Bang, bang, bang. Nails went in perfectly. As it went on and on, the nails kind of like would sometimes get a little crooked. And that's like, I, that's the nature of doing something live as well. But it also just kind yeah, of showed those ideas yeah. it's like the labor and, and the exhaustion that goes with it. And so it ended with he, he finished the last letter and then he walked back across the, the, the board of nails he'd set down and then he lay down on the ground and sort of, um, uh, it doesn't sound much to say, but it was really pointed to watch. He would sort of roll back and forth and almost try and get up mm-hmm. while the marimba sort of switched where it had been fairly, had a feel of almost improvisation and, and the mood would shift. This took on almost like a church organ sort of vibe. You know, mm-hmm. Alison McIver had these four mallets in her hands and she would switch throughout the different mallets she was using. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which was a, For a, different a, sounds. Yeah. yeah. But it sort of took on this very church organ vibe as he would sort of roll and sort of gesture and reach up and, and you know, it sort of was like the the physical cost of all this labor it felt like yeah that he like he's kind of like it, it almost felt like you know he's a beetle on his back that mm. just kind of was like trying and trying and trying to get up and rolling from one side to the other but couldn't ever just quite make it 
um, make it to back to his feet. And and so, you know, it gave you that sort of like exasperated sense of like, you know, he's done all this work and, you know, he's gotten tired. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, in the Working end, what does it through. mean? He didn't actually finish it. Not that you expected him to. I guess it was too, way too large to finish. Right, but, but. but yeah, okay. So as someone who, you know, I do not have a background in contemporary dance. I also don't have one in performance art. But I found it incredibly moving and accessible in its own way. Mm-hmm. Accessible in how uh, oblique it was. Because it felt like... Um, my go-to example would be like a David Lynch dream sequence in in something like Twin Peaks. You were sort of like, it sort of cast you as protagonist because you could wander wherever you are. There was no fixed seating. You were just in the space with them. Yeah, you weren't really necessarily expected to watch um, all of the nailing happen the whole time for the whole 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. You could sort of wander around the space and see the other installations that were put there. You could watch the musician. You could even wander out and back in. Like sure, no one yeah. was... Um, it wasn't a con- it wasn't so controlled in that way which i thought was really interesting because the people watching and their reactions as well just the way that they sort of filtered around even mm-hmm. as the performers moved was part of the part of the show yeah yeah mm-hmm. but but yeah like a, a lynch a lynchian see uh, dream sequence in the sense of uh you know it felt like you were being told something you were being shown something but it was sort of up to you to put it together um which uh, which sort of was uh, a strangely uh, effective way of, of presenting ideas, I found. Yeah, there's this really, like, sort of, like, a lot of weighted, cryptic symbolism there, right? So there's mm. a woman playing a marimba with a wall of keys behind her. There's a guy nailing hundreds of nails into a board with seeming no end to the nailing right. process. And sort of saying these <laughs> statements about labor and, and life and, and, and these things and, you know... And then these other sort of, yeah, like... And then there's a whole bunch of people standing around and watching it yeah, as well, yeah, yeah. which makes the dream even weirder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, what what am I supposed to take from this? And then you sort of like, you start to draw your own conclusions and sort of put it together in your, your own way. Um, so yeah, and in, in, I found it incredibly effective in that way. I, I was super thrilled with, with everything we saw. Um, it was just, yeah, and then and, and then the ending with Brian sort of rolling on his back and sort of the consequence of all this in a way. Yeah. For, for me, anyways, that's how I interpret it. In the it. end, you kind of felt this bit of sadness. Yeah. It was just like, what was all this energy spent for, you know? Um, and in the same time, I, I, I was quite, I enjoyed the piece a lot as well. I felt my brain was just going the whole time, just like thinking about all the weird symbols and thinking mm-hmm. about, you know, what what it meant for everyone else that was there too, right? Because there were some people that were really, really into it and others mm-hmm. that just kind of was like, oh, okay, right. I'll listen to the music. Um, yeah, so, so Fonda, um, so I mean, what, I mean, this this is obviously, there's some differences between this and and sort of, in quotes, contemporary dance that we more typically see in a theater like the Tim Center or, or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But where where do you see the differences between performance art and contemporary dance? Because obviously, based on this, there is overlap. Right. I think there's overlap in both. And I'm definitely not where the opinion on this question should end. Okay. Um, so, sure. but I, I, I think that there there is crossover between contemporary dance and performance art. Um, and I think that the some of the things actually that I end up finding most interesting do have like really great crossover right, in that it, way. Because I mean, a lot of the pieces we've seen over the past year have involved artifacts and sort of a sense of ritual and these sorts of things. Yeah. And I think that one of the cruxes of performance art is that it really 
really takes you out of that um, soft seat that you're in in a theater mm. where there are certain, I don't know, expectations for behavior of an audience and expectations for reaction. Like, you know, you can laugh or applaud or, or things like that when you're in a, in a theater audience. But when you're in a performance space or even a site-specific performance, yeah. like, say, Showtel, which yeah. we saw last season, uh, there's... There's a completely different can of worms that the audience adds to the performance, which I think is I, I think is one of the um, essential features of performance art. Yeah, for me, perspective was important, and sort of the idea of again, you didn't have to follow Brian down that hallway, but you could. Um, you could stand wherever you wanted to watch this. You could move, um, you know, and adjust your your vision based on the other other the people you you would see, um, and how, where they were standing, and and the everyone else watching. Um, whereas in a, in a theater, when you're sort of fixed in your seat, yeah, there are sort of expectations that are assigned to that. And it feels, um, more passive in a way. It feels like someone else is going to do the heavy lifting, you mm -hmm. know, the artists are going to do this thing and, and it's, you're going to, you're going to be moved however they want you to be moved. Yeah. From this. It yeah, and then uh, whereas with this, it w it felt like we're, they're doing their thing. Again, you can watch however you want, wherever you want, and then it's sort of up to you to piece it together. It's sort of how you interpret it. And maybe maybe that's how all uh, art should be taken, but it's sort of like it seems easier to access that, like, that personal feel on the art when it was in this situation. Mm, I think there's a lot more onus on the audience, on, a, on an audience member in situations like this, and what... You know, the thing about sitting as as an audience member in a conventional theater is that there's a lot more control by the artist in the atmosphere that you're given and what you're shown, the order that you're that you see it in, um, that kind of thing. Whereas, you know, with this sort of thing, or say, Chotel is the other example that I right can, by Miles Zero Dance, which yep. was last year and was took place in uh, in a hotel, just in like exactly. You can you can experience it in whatever order you choose to. It's kind of more of a choose your own adventure type of art um, as opposed to someone saying, I have programmed this, it's all in this order, this is how you'll see it. And, and that's kind of the only way you can experience it. Right, you're not assigned your view, I guess, maybe is that that's a way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. whereas, whereas in performance art, it's like find your view. You're actively sort of invited, if you choose to, to find that view. Mm -hmm. And I think too, I mean, no one did it in the performance that we saw, but I have to wonder what would have happened if someone did try and un interact a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, you have seen those things. Like in Showtel, we were actually interacting more. We were, you know, like buying beers from the little motel fridge or you were uh, speaking back to the artists when they asked you questions or you were eating the honey toast that they offered you, and which was how. delicious. Mm -hmm. um, you know, th there were, so there are certain types where you, you're kind of, the invitation is there for you to um, participate as an audience member. And I think that this one, this one, didn't have that same invitation, but it didn't have a block either. You weren't tied to a seat necessarily. Yeah, yeah. There's something strangely inviting about that. The sort of knowing there's that freedom, it changes the energy of a space. And it's sort of what, even just being on your feet standing up. Uh, maybe this is why we see even in theater sites, specific theater is sort of growing in popularity. Mm -hmm. Is because it's, it's sort of rearranging um, and reimagining that audience artist dynamic. Yeah, yeah, like you see the popularity um, of I don't the, that show in New York, the one that was about oh sleep no more, sleep no more, sleep no yeah. More, yes. I mean, like there's these huge hits of where people are now actually experiencing art and theater and performance um, 
in in a more visceral way, in a more participatory way. And I think maybe, I don't know, maybe they're on to something. Because this piece, frankly, was one of... Um, was a piece that I really, I, I really quite enjoyed. I got a lot out of it. I thought they had great ideas. I don't even know how to explain them very well. I mm-hmm. still think about it They're and like, the visual. Yeah, the David Lynch dream. You're still unpacking yeah. it. You know yeah. that gum you like is going to come back into style. It was, it was pretty cool in all those ways. Right, and yeah. and so Blair Brennan's exhibit, which is sort of a retrospective on on all of his work, is still running. It's there until October 11th at DC3 Art uh, Projects, which is downtown right behind. Grant McEwen and very easy to Google. Um, I hopped a fence to get there, fun fact, because there's <laughs> construction in the area. There's some really crazy fences around there, Paul. I'm and not like, going to say which one I hopped. Bottle depots and things like I'm that. I'm going to say and... I did almost skewer myself on it, but <laughs> I didn't, so everything worked out. Oh my. Well, I'm glad you made it. <laughs> Me too. So what's coming up, Fonda? What's happening in the next little while? In okay, dance? so in the next couple weeks here, we have coming up, um, first up is October 3rd and 4th is Don Quixote mm-hmm. um, by Alberta Ballet. Um, it's going to be one of their big, epic, super lovely set and costume ballets, and obviously a narrative ballet yes. of, you know, the Man of La Mancha, mm-hmm. who is cool. <laughs> and it features a, a special guest in the title role for, for this uh, thing? Yes, um, Alberta Ballet's artistic director, uh, uh, Jean Gramaitre, is uh, putting on the leotard again. Yeah, for the first time in like two decades, he's sort of going onto the stage and taking the title role in this, this opera. Yes. Opera, oh God. In this ballet, ballet. <laughs> Let's cut that. Let's cut that silly mistake. So, um, also next up, right after that, on uh, kind of a couple of odd days in the week, but it's because they're on tour. October eighth and 9th, the Brian Webb Dance Season opens with uh, the Toronto Dance Theatre and their piece Eleven Accords, Christopher House's um, you know treatise with eleven dancers um, and music for eighteen musicians by Stephen Reich. Right, Stephen Reich, who we recently encountered in uh, in Phases, the the Fast Five Estonian uh, Dance Theatre show. Fine Five Estonian. Oh, yes. really killing it. <laughs> we right are now. on it. And now that we have listeners in Estonia. <laughs> yeah, they keep checking in a couple every day. It's great. They're it's gonna cool. They're going to be so mad hey, at me. Hey, Estonia, we like you. Keep coming back. Cool. <laughs> um, all right, so that's about all that's up for the next week or so. Um, I'm pro- I'm taking on those myself uh, with some sort of co-host because Paul is... Someone's going on vacation. Paul is going on vacation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll see what happens for those, but everyone... Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for um, tweeting at us and checking out our website, I don't get it dance.com. And yeah, we had some really good feedback and some great retweets uh, by Dirty Feet yeah. and um, Fine Five and Mile Zero and all the, all you fine peeps. So right. it was and great. If you happen to see an unlearned human language as well or, or feel like you want to chime in on the, the differences between contemporary art or uh, performance art, feel free to do so on the Twitter and we will we will keep that conversation going. Yeah, because we could be schooled a little bit more could, in, in those ways. We didn't talk about Marina Abramovic at all. No, no. <laughs> she is the queen of performance art. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thank you for listening. Um, We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Go see some dance. 
Don't Get It is a podcast produced by Poglina, Fonda Mithrush, and Andrew Paul. It was recorded in a blanket fort in the Tall House on Alberta Avenue in Edmonton, Alberta. Our website is idontgetitdance.com. You can follow us on Twitter at I Don't Get It Dance, and you can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Our theme song is Mountain Time by Ghibli. Follow his music and check him out at ghibli.bandcamp.com. Sitting here thinking.